Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's going to be on the screen for you to read, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. And it says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things we cannot see. I met a girl about seven years ago, and I remember I was uh, checking out this leadership school, and I'm sitting on this church bus in the back, and there was this girl that just gets on the bus, and immediately there were four things that drew me to her. Now, don't think I'm superficial here, uh, but the first thing that drew me to her was her jet black hair. I don't know if I'm the only guy in here that likes jet black hair, but at the time, I was goo-goo for Gaga. I felt something inside of me like fireworks, like just a fire, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was my, you know, just my man stuff. You know, I'm just excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl, jet black hair. I dig it. And then the second thing that drew me to her, now y'all going to think I'm cute and romantic, and uh, I am. And uh, so the second thing was uh, her smile. There was something about her smile that just, yeah, mm -hmm, that captivated me. I was like, wow, love it. And then the third thing, if y'all thought I was a little superficial in the beginning, y'all going to think I'm really superficial, but don't judge me. We in church, okay? I could be real here, and you cannot judge me because that's not allowed. The third thing. She walks in, see her jet black hair, I see her beautiful smile, and then I look down, and she had on a pair of Jordans, and I was like, this girl rocks J's on her feet, man. I really wasn't there at that moment trying to find out about this leadership school. I was trying to find out about who this girl was, and so after that, I felt something else draw me to her. And if this is your first time, I hope you don't find me a little weird. Uh, we're really not that weird here, just a little bit. Uh, but I hope you don't find me too weird. Fourth thing that drew me to her, uh, it was God's promise. It was the spirit of God in that moment that I felt told me, that's your wife. And I, yeah. and I was like, I know. And so she's walking, you know, and I see her come by me, and I wanted to be like, girl, I just need to let you know you're my wife. But, you know, I didn't do that because that's not the way you start a relationship. So, guys, if you're in here, never tell a girl that God told me you're for me because he could not go that far, all right? And so I go back home after this two to three long weekend, and, I, you know, I noticed throughout the days that, you know, she would worship just in a way that would just draw me. She would love on people in such a magnificent way. And so I go home. And I'm like, I'm going to find out who this girl is. And so I decided to apply my uh, FBI skill set, Facebook investigative skill set. And so <laughs> I'm like, what's up? Called around some people because I said, I need to find out this girl's name. I got some confidence. I need to holler at her, you know, because I was a little scared to talk to her in person. My dad wasn't in the picture for 10 years. I didn't know how to talk to girls. All right, don't judge me. So I'm there, and I'm like, hey, you know this girl's name? So they tell me the girl's name. I look her up on Facebook. And then reality set in. Two reasons. The first reason, she lived in Orlando. And you're probably wondering, well, what's the big deal? Well, I lived in a small town called Loxahatchee. Anybody here is familiar with Loxahatchee? 
One person, Tracy. <laughs> That's it. Goes to show you how obscure this place is. It's in West Palm Beach, Florida, like 40 minutes inward near Lake Okeechobee. And I said, man, there's just no way. Reality began to set in. But I said, you know what? I work at Starbucks. I make, you know, like $8.15 an hour. I could, I, I could make it happen. Get a job promotion, become like a Starbucks coffee master or something. I don't know. I can make it happen. So I go on her pictures, and I do what everyone in here does. I start lurking, okay? You know what lurking is? If you're over 25 years old, lurking is pretty much being stalker-ish. Uh, it's what the young kids say today. So I started lurking on this girl. And when I'm lurking after her, I noticed there was a guy in these pictures. And I was like, ah, that's her brother. It's cool. Don't mean nothing. But then I keep going through the pictures, and I'm like, wait a minute. There is no way that this is her brother, because if it is, that's just weird. <laughs> this girl had a man friend. And I went back home that day, and I was like, God, there is absolutely no way that you promised me this girl in the midst of my reality. I don't know about you here this morning, but maybe you've been offered a job promotion, but then you look at your reality and you say, there's no way because my company's downsizing. I don't know about you here this morning, but, but maybe your marriage is in shambles, and you've been going to counseling, but your husband still don't pick up after himself, and you're saying, there's no way that God promised that things would get better. I don't know, maybe you're here this morning, and you've been told that coming to church would make life a little bit better, but in reality, life still feels kind of like you're living in hell. The promise doesn't match the reality, but can I tell you this morning, you and I are not the only ones. There's this guy in the Bible. His name is Abraham. Who here has ever heard of a guy named Abraham in the Bible? Abraham. Abraham was a man who was promised that all of Israel would come through. He was the man who was mentioned 230 times in the scripture. He was a man that was regarded as the father of our faith. I mean, he was so famous that he had a song named after him. Who in here knows the song? Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. I don't know the worst of the words because I never went to Sunday school at the time, but it's so easy to assume that Abraham was worthy of such a great promise. But in reality, let me give you a little bit of context of Abraham's promise and his reality. If you've got your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 through 17. I'm going to go ahead and start reading it. And it says this, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall become, kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, ha, and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old and shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now let me reintroduce to you who Abraham was. The brother was old. And so was his wife. Now I don't know if you know the implications of age, but these two have had gravity affecting their reality for about 90 to 100 years. But still, God made them a promise. 
Now, the thing about this promise, it was a promise that was not contingent upon their reality, but it was a promise that was contingent upon who God was. And you need to understand this morning that your promises that God has given you over your life really have nothing to do with your reality, but they have everything to do with who God is. And the question you should be asking isn't, are God's promises true in my life? Not at all. The question that you should be asking is, am I responding to those promises in faith? Why? Because God's promises aren't conditional, but they are contingent upon your faith. And you're probably saying in here, boy, Eddie, faith seems a little obscure, seems a little bit unrealistic. But you remember that girl that I was telling you about seven years ago? She's sitting front row right there. She don't got jet black hair. She got blonde hair today. But you need to understand something. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't my charm, y'all. You got to know. I did not have game. You ask her after the worship series. She'll tell you. It wasn't, it wasn't the money. I mean, I worked at Starbucks. Yeah, girl, I'll, I'll, I'll put a roof over your head and provide for our kids. Oh, you didn't know God promised me that too? It wasn't my looks. God knows it was not my looks. My ears are lopsided. I got bags on the top of my eyes. Normal people have them under their eyes. It wasn't any of that, but it was because I had faith in the midst of my reality, and I would not allow that reality to come in between God's promise and me with the opportunity to respond in faith. And so if you're here this morning, yeah. <laughs> faith is a little obscure. Faith is a little mystical. Faith is a little unrealistic. <laughs> but you got to know, the things that turn God's promises into reality is your faith. Now, your friends may have a different word for that. They may say, you got to have a little bit of optimism. You've got to change your outlook. You've got to change the way you perceive reality. And what I know about faith and optimism is this. It is rooted in your perception. While I tell you, church, you got to have some faith, your friends will tell you, have some optimism, have a positive outlook. Change your perception. Why? Because perception is your own reality. But here's what I also know about perception. Perception is the ability to see, the ability to hear, or become aware of something through the senses. Now, in school, uh, you're, you're taught that you only have five senses, and uh, I'm no professor, and uh, I just want to let you know that they were wrong. You actually have six senses. There's, there's touch. I know if something's hot, Oh, I'm all types of confidence now because I married that girl. Y'all don't even know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not really. Smell. <laughs> I know if the person next to me was a part of setup. Come on, somebody. Hey, join that setup team. Sweat for Jesus. You'll get some type of crown in heaven for that. I don't know. That's not biblical. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Here. <laughs> I know if Eddie's a little bit too loud, or I know if someone's off, or I know if my kids are screaming and it's bothering me, tasting. I know if something is pleasant to my taste buds, like tacos, I love tacos. If you want to be my best friend, buy me tacos from Gringos, Locos. Yo, y'all, oh, that's good, right? Take me, hey, take me, and if you pay, I'll love you even more, okay? <laughs> Seeing, 
I know how committed you are. This is good, especially if you're a boss in here this morning. Seeing, I know how committed you are by how early you show up to work. The way you show up early, the way I see you show up, the time that I see it will tell me a lot about your commitment. And the sixth one is faith. You're in here and you're like, well, that just makes no sense. Let, let me prove this to you. Who in here has a job? Yeah, raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Raise your hand. <laughs> now, who in here has direct deposit? Keep that hand up. Hey, loud and proud, I am a DD, direct deposit T, okay? I get it from my job. Keep that hand up if you get direct deposit from your job. Keep it up, keep it up. I want to prove this to you. I want to prove that you've got faith, and it's a sense. If you believe you got a direct deposit, keep that hand up. Now, keep your hand up if you know when your direct deposit hits. Come on, it is a calendar appointment in my calendar. <laughs> yep. Now, now, keep that hand up. Keep it up. Now, keep it up. There you go. I know. It's a workout. Y'all didn't know you was coming to church and working out at the same time, working out your spirit and your flesh. That's good. Now, listen. Keep your hand up. If you have never doubted the power of your direct deposit, I sure have it. Y'all, I can't wait till next Friday. I just moved, and I'm like, my wallet's screaming at me. I can't wait till that direct deposit hits. You can put your hands down. No one ever doubts their direct deposit. And here's the thing about direct deposit. You just know it's coming, not because you can taste it. Uh, if you can taste your direct deposit, you need counseling. <laughs> not because you can hear it's coming. It's not like a train, choo-choo, direct deposit, I'm coming to your bank. Not because you can see it, not because you can touch it, but for whatever reason, you still have faith in the power of your direct deposit. Now, you got to know something about faith. Faith is something you can't touch. It's something you can't smell. It's something you can't hear. It's something you can't sense. But faith gotta catch this, is something that can become your reality. And what needs to change maybe isn't the perception of your reality because you're still sick, you're still unemployed, you're still single. Reality doesn't change. Maybe what needs to change is your perception of who God is. Maybe what needs to happen is that you need to change the way you view God. Maybe you need to start seeing God a little bit differently. Maybe you need to start hearing God a little bit differently. Maybe you need to taste God a little bit differently. Why? Because Hebrew 11 says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It may feel like the world underneath you is crumbling, but when you look down with a little bit of faith, you realize that you're standing on Jesus, on solid rock, and there is nothing, nothing in this world that can cause you to stumble. You also got to understand that it makes, may feel like, it may seem like all you've been hearing is bad news, but faith, Faith will give you a perspective that realizes there's a lot of good news going on around you. Church, you got to understand, you may not be able to sense faith, but faith allows you to sense God's promises. You may not be able to sense it. I can't touch it. It is not tangible. But my God, when I've got a little bit of faith, 
I could tense it. I could touch it. I could tangibly just grab God's promises over my life. And you're probably wondering, Eddie, I've got faith. I do. But it's fading. I feel like it is being drowned by my reality. And I love Abraham's genuine reaction in Genesis chapter 17, 17. Because Abraham, before Genesis 17 hits, you got to know he was promised a crazy calling and a promise over his life in Genesis chapter 12. Now, about 20 years had passed from Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 17. And Abraham's reaction when God finally made him the promise that he's been waiting so long for was that he laughed and said, there is just absolutely no way. You know, I've shared this story before, and if you know me, you know a little bit about my story. And if you don't, I'll paraphrase here, but uh, about 12 years ago, my father was sentenced to prison uh, for 10 years. And I remember that uh, his first year that he went to prison, I decided to start going to church because, you know, they say, you know, going to church will help. Going to church will make things better. And, and so I went and, and I went to church and I remember uh, the pastor, uh, you know, during that time, the church I went to, they would tell you to come up to the front. And so I went to the front and I'm there and I'm just saying, hey, you know what? My dad's in jail. I just, can, you, can we pray that he gets out of jail uh, as soon as possible? And, and the pastor begins to pray over me, puts his hand on my head and, and he says, Eddie, God is telling me to tell you you know, I'm a little weary sometimes when people say that because I'm like, why didn't he just tell me? But that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, God told me to tell you that you just need faith. And I'm like, bro, I don't even know Jesus yet. This is like my first time in your church. How in the world am I going to have faith in someone I don't even know? God told you to have faith. So I went back home with my mom and I'm like, mom, you know, God, you know I'm crying. God, just, you know, you said just to have faith. And so we had faith. Year one, year two, year three passed by, we begin to appeal his case. We begin to have these vigils. I don't know if y'all have ever been to a vigil, but that's pretty much where you stay in church all night. And so we had these vigils praying for my dad that God would take him out of prison. And, and year six, seven, eight, nine, ten go by. And still, my dad is in prison. And finally, he gets released. My dad does his full ten years. And, and here's, here's what I learned. And I wish I would have learned this sooner. Because if I would have, it would have made my life a little bit easier. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you here. And you can write this down, put this on your, on your refrigerator, put it somewhere. Know that God's delay is not his denial. It's his not now. What seems like God's delay is not his denial it's his not now. And you may be asking, well, why not now? Why can't God do today what he said he's going to do? Why must he wait until tomorrow when he can make it happen today? Or if you're, if you're Abraham and you're in his shoes, why is it that you make me a promise when I am at the lowest point of my reality, I am 100 years old, God. My wife is 90. 
Why now? Why did you wait for today when you could have done it yesterday? You got to understand something. Abraham didn't doubt that God could provide a child. Abraham knew God could. Abraham's doubt was in the reality that Sarah couldn't carry a baby for nine months. And that's sometimes the catch, y'all. God will want, wants to take your faith to a place where it won't make sense in your reality to believe in his promises. God wants to do something through you, but before he can, he has to do something inside of you. And it's not until you can't that you realize that he will. Why did it take God so long? It's because not that he delayed, not at all. God's an on-time God, but Abraham delayed. Abraham tried to take matters into his own hands. I'm just going to interject this here just so you can have some Bible study reading time this week. You want to know how Abraham took matters into his own hands and why things kind of got delayed a little bit? Look up the story of Ishmael this week with your family. And look how Abraham wanted to take matters into his own hands and caused a delay. But how then? Am I going to keep my faith? It's fading. How am I going to keep this faith? Because all you need is a little bit of faith. Matter of fact, all you need it to be is the size of a mustard seed. Y'all know what a mustard seed size faith can do? It can move a mountain, Don. It can move a mountain. And sometimes you hear it said that maybe what you need is more faith. Maybe what you need is God to increase your faith, but if I could just tell you, the little bit of faith that you've got, it's all the faith that you need. How am I going to keep my faith, the little bit of faith, when God promised me that I would prosper, but I've been unemployed for years. I've been unemployed for months. How, how am I going to believe in God's promises when I have been sick for months, I have been dealing with cancer for years. I have been dealing with the disease for years. How, 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 how am I going to keep my faith, Eddie? How, how am I going to keep my faith when my kids were promised to me that they would go to heaven with me if I just trained them up well in the ways of the Lord, like the scripture says, and my old pastor told me back in the day. How am I going to keep my faith when it doesn't even seem that way? How am I going to keep my faith? Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Tell you a little bit more about Abraham. I'm going to paraphrase and jump around a little bit, and I'm just going to let you know right now that I don't have the answer for you. I can't give you this cool slogan to take home with you and say, that's how I'm going to keep my faith. But the Bible can. The Bible can answer that question for you. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, I'm going to read. We're going to be reading a little bit much here, so just bear with me. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a little under the weather this morning. <clears throat> bear with me. I'm going to be paraphrasing and reading some of the key points throughout this part of their story. Verse 1, it says this. After these things... So Abraham finally has his son Isaac. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, 
your only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. So they go on this three day long journey to go sacrifice his promised son, his only son, the only son he loves. And, and, and I'm, I'm wondering in that moment, maybe Abraham was a little disappointed. Oh, God, why would you promise me something for me to let it go? So they embark on the journey, and then verse 4 comes around, and it says this, on the third day, there's something about the third day. It's a three-day long journey, and then on the third day, I'm going to just end it right there. <laughs> Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Remember that. On the third day, he lifted up his eyes, saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. On their journey to that place, <laughs> verse 7 happens. Isaac turns to his dad, Abraham, and said, Dad, Father, Abraham, yes, my son, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Back in those times when you would go and worship God, uh, worship wasn't singing a song. Worship was sacrificing an animal so that the blood of that animal uh, would cover your sins. It would be a justification. It would be a substitute uh, for you. Read Genesis. You'll learn a little bit more about it. Some Bible study tools there. And then Abraham answered and he said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. So then they arrived to the place where the sacrifice was going to be made, and, and, they, and, they, and they begin to set it up, and verse 10 happens. Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And the angel of the Lord said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you, not, you have not withheld your son, your only son. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold. Whenever that word behold is in the scripture, you just got to pause. Behold. Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Church, let me, let me give you some insight to my current reality today. 
My dad's out of prison, uh, but the only way he was let out of prison if he would sign a deportation order. You've got to know that uh, my dad is, every morning could wake up and it could just be his time. And you're wondering, well, why hasn't he been deported yet? And the reason why is because and the silver lining out of all of this is that, you know, the relationships, and I don't mean to get political, between Cuba and the United States is a little fickle. And because of that, uh, they just don't deport Cubans back. And so um, my dad could be deported any moment, any day. Because my dad is a convicted felon, about two years ago, my mother had a job in whom she worked for a, uh, it was a very, um, how can I say this? It was a, it was a very uh, prestigious place for her to work in. She just, she was a, uh, she cleans houses and uh, the house that she was assigned to is a very, uh, very prominent individual. And uh, when this individual found out that my mother was married to a convicted felon, uh, my mother got laid off. Two years later, my mom is still laid off. That job that she had is what pretty much put shoes on my feet, what allowed her to buy me my first car. So it was a blessing in disguise. Just a few weeks ago, not to get into too many details, something happened in our family that involved one of my siblings. And, and uh, it, was, uh, it was tough to, to sit there and, and to deal with and, uh, and to ponder. And, and that's my current reality but what you got to know what has allowed me to keep my faith at this moment isn't looking to the future for what's to come because if i look to the future to what's to come all i see is the possibilities of a mother who's going to lose her home one day if her husband gets deported and kept my faith because I'm looking forward. What's kept my faith up until this moment it's not that I'm looking forward. It's that I'm looking behind me. I'm seeing all that God has done for me in the past and I'm saying even if it does not seem like you could do something but I've seen what you've done it's what's behind me Abraham was asked to slay his promised son and when he sees the place where he would sacrifice his son, he tells his servants, and if you missed it, you missed it, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I and the boy will come back again to you. Not because of what he saw, what was ahead of him, but because of the evidence of all that God has done behind him. If he's allowed a son to be born through somebody who's 100 years old, what more can't he do? Church faith works in two ways. Remember Hebrews 11.1? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, but man, does faith provide you the evidence of the things you cannot see? You've heard it said, just look forward, but I'm here to tell you this morning, 
Look behind you. Look behind you. You've been unemployed for months, but man, you've had a job before. Your marriage is in shambles, but man, your marriage was healthy at one point. Life's been a living hell, but man, you have seen God's hands in the midst of your life up until this moment. When my father was in prison for 10 years, can I tell you what has kept me through that? Looking back, I look at a, y'all just don't know. I see a 13-year-old kid whose mother was diagnosed with a fatal disease, an aneurysm in her head, an Arnold myocardiotic malformation between her brainstem and her spinal cord. And when I look to what's behind me, I see a God that's healed her before. When, when, when I look behind me, I see a fatherless kid. At 12 years old, y'all knew that I grew up with so many cuts on my upper lip because I had nobody to teach me how to shave. I see a fatherless kid. But I can't begin to tell you all the times that God has intervened in my life. Even when I've made the mistakes, even when I've made the poor decisions, even when I started to mess up, I've seen God in the midst of my reality. And what keeps my faith is when I look what's behind me. But this goes much further when you read verse 13. It says this, Abraham lifted up his eyes and look, behold, behind him behind him, come on, was a ram caught in its thickets by its horns. When you look behind you, you don't only see the evidence, but you see the provision. Come on. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.